Welcome to the first hour of Striking Mike. If you enjoy the conversation, please go to therightstuff.biz slash paywall, get a subscription, and support the show. Thanks so much. Strike and Mike on the 14th of November, the year of our Lord 2023. How are you doing, Striker? Oh, I'm fantastic. Good deal. This is my favorite time of the year. Really? I you know, I actually really love this time of year myself. No, no irony or sarcasm. I really do. I, I just enjoy the, the briskness of the weather. Yeah, I like the autumn. I know sometimes people are like, I hate people that like autumn. And I'm like... Who says that? Jews? I don't know, because it's sort of like a thing a lot you of say people that say, you're I guess. Jewish. <laughs> well, well, only Jews don't like... Only Jews don't like autumn because bad shit happens to them in the autumn. <laughs> well, yeah, Think true. Yeah, true. <laughs> I was going to say because they don't... like As Europeans, we come from a part of the world... Our European biospirit uh, oh. animates us because oh, we come boy. from a, a part of the world where the, cha- the seasons change naturally uh, in their appointed rhythm. Ooh. And uh, Jews do not. They come from a part of the world that's hot all the time. They're from and a therefore they're, they're, star. Their souls are out of whack. I don't know. That's all. So which, I don't really which, buy that. Which schizophrenic, aerosophic kind of uh, philosopher are you referring to? Because I'm partial to miguel serrano i just made that up i just made that up myself i thought that's how you do it right (laughs) yeah yeah that's how you just do it i just made that one up. i just came up with it on the top of my head but i actually do think that there is something to uh being living in a part of the world where the seasons all four you get all four seasons i wouldn't want to live yes where you don't yes i agree but uh anyway uh, let's get right to it. So, right. what's what's first on the well, menu? Well, I guess what I've got right here, um, I think this is definitely something we should first listen to and discuss, is this ADL leaked call, which I believe this, I don't know when this is from, but it was leaked by an Iranian uh, source or something like that. <laughs> was it Press TV all, I saw that was posting it? or I don't It know. was the, Te- the Tehran Tehran Times. Right, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, if that's the source of the leak, all Jonathan Greenblatt needs to do is find who the Muslim on the call was. Who the Muslim or the right. white nationalist on the call. Well, yeah, because you figure that he's probably talking to, like, a group of maybe maybe he's powering with heads of other so-called anti-hate organizations right yes and so maybe there's somebody there and it got spread through care or something like that i don't even care maybe not be based enough to do something like share it with the iranian (laughs) care is pretty gay so maybe they wouldn't actually share it with the Iranian government i don't know who knows well i don't uh, know if the tehran times is run by the Iranian government it i mean let's see it's not state-owned no is it is it like some kind of – I don't know anything about it. Is it some kind – I could see it being like it's a U.S. Based, gay op or something. It, no, no, no. It's uh. pro – my understanding of the Tehran Times is that it's pro-Islamic uh, revolution, but it's not run by the government. Okay. Well, um, so, um, is it – does it operate in America? I mean even press TV seems to operate in America, so. Well, you know what's funny though? So I'm looking at some background information about the Tehran Times and – it kind of slips I, – I do uh, see stuff online from them that's really interesting sometimes. Um, but one thing that's interesting is that they get a lot of scoops. Like it says here in 2023, in August of 2023, they published a State Department memo informing U.S. Special Envoy for Iran, Rob Maley, of his security clearance suspension. The publication prompted calls by Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives 
for a probe into how the newspaper obtained the sensitive information. So they have sources. I remember when that happened. And I remember I was actually trying to tell people about that. Just the fact, not necessarily Tehran Times, but that story. Because Rob Malley was the State Department envoy sent to negotiate with Iran to try and resurrect the nuclear deal. And not only when the Jews decided that was over with, when they decided that was done, which happened, it wasn't just Donald Trump. Um, it was because when Biden came in, there was a, it was a, at least a pretend attempt to bring back that. And then I, I guess maybe Netanyahu government shut it down or whatever the dealings were. But Rob Malley, who is half Jewish, actually, Rob Malley is half Jewish, according to his Wikipedia, was the negotiator there. And he's like a libtard, I suppose, or on that side of the spectrum. And he was very much in favor of the slow route, if you will, like getting Iran to open up its markets and get like paws into the country and whatever. That was the purpose of the Iran deal originally was cultural, cultural subversion of Iran. Through economic ties to the West, which the Iranians Something actually that, didn't allow you know, to happen. A but aside, um, on, aside on that, the debate between the faction of Jews that wanted that versus the ones that didn't was actually centered around China. Mm. Because they tried that on China for decades and it didn't work. Right. So, But it did work on Russians in the Soviet Union, right? Um, and people in Eastern Europe. So the question is, would this have worked on Iranians? And I don't really know. Because my understanding is that Iran's urban um, mm-hmm. middle class is pretty – they're not as bad, obviously, as in the West. But they are curious of, about – Well, they uh, also remember, or some of them, the older ones remember, the time when the Shah was in power. And maybe that they, those type of people have passed – that right. down to that when it was a basically a liberal monarchy <laughs> yeah you know, um you, you know yeah. the, the the kind of urban middle class is going to mm. be susceptible you know it's funny um speaking of that people, uh, people that that uh that that you know th- this is actually something going on in russia i read something about the russian economy apparently it's doing well for almost everyone except for the people that upper middle class in the cities that depends on contact with the West. They're not doing well. But everyone else is they, – they've uh, converted the Russian economy into a military socialism. So everyone's like wages are going up. They're working in these uh, munitions factories. And they're, they're getting paid well. And so like the, the, the sanctions on Russia have the opposite effect. In other words. Yeah, and um – Okay, so as far as that, actually, that's sort of interesting because another thing that's happening, though, that's sort of funny is that many of those middle-class urbanite liberal Russians, some of whom left Russia when the war started, and even then some of whom started going back because they didn't – despite the fact that they were leaving Russia because they didn't agree, they still suffered – hardship in the west based on being sanctioned for their passport yes. and their citizenship and that irritated them and i actually saw a video by one such russian the other day who was actually raging that um jews weren't getting the same treatment despite actually behaving worse than russia and he was like don't get me wrong i'm not an anti-semite and what russia's doing is unacceptable but wow israel this is crazy what they're doing and like how come they get their passports and they get to use credit cards and i have to be like doing all and i was like okay so they're losing like everybody with this shit <laughs> yeah yes like nobody anyway, let's get back to the but the um green black anyway uh, and and the, real quick one thing more about rob malley um is that the way they got rid of him was they did that same shit of like oh he took home like secret documents Oh, <laughs> and then and so they investigate him for that and then fired him and i guess all those those but that's like now you don't have anybody talking to iran that's actually a complaint that a lot of people are making about the U.S. Foreign Service uh, mm-hmm. Corps is that there are tons of ambassadorships that are empty. Uh, they don't have anyone working at the embassy in an official capacity, right? They, they're unappointed. So the assumption there is that they don't need to really um, uh, have anyone in, say, Panama, right? The well, there's that one is, guy they got. 
Oh, he's in jail right. now, I guess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Pressing <laughs> forward. Yes. But the American diplomatic corps is extremely poor, and actually most of the world treats American diplomats with contempt. Um, people like Anthony Blinken are made to wait. Like uh, yes. there's one incident where I believe it was in – um, it may have been MBS. It was one of those Arab. Yeah, Gulf MBS products. made him wait. China makes made him, him wait. Then MBS him made him wait. wait, and then Al Sisi like brought him in and just like browbeat him. Yes. Even though Al Sisi is like Erdogan, literally a puppet. Yeah, Erdogan. Yeah, Erdogan was making was was treating him with contempt. Was, oh, I got something else to do. Just wait over there and just cancel the meeting. Now, some of that is sort of performative, so that their own populations can see them doing that and be like, "Whoa, based." Yes. But like, um, you know, and, and uh, sort of funny, the kind of stuff Erdogan's been saying recently, like I was reminded because a, a clip started going around uh, recently, again, a clip I've seen many, many times, which is an old clip of the Shah, Reza Pahlavi, talking all kinds of shit on Israel and the Jews. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, yes, but what does he do? <laughs> right. These are like Donald <laughs> yeah. Trump. You always leader. have to say that shit. Any Middle Eastern leader has to talk shit on Israel and Jews. It's like it really shouldn't be taken too seriously unless they actually do something. I would also say there's a theory going around. Douglas McGregor is one of the people promoting it, that Turkey could become belligerent in the Israel-Palestine. I think he's badly misjudging On the side of the Palestinians. Now, on paper, it's understandable if you take the facts as they are on the surface. It seems like it, yeah, but it's so. So you know, of course, Erdogan is the 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 party that he that he's in is actually pretty much the leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood, mm-hmm. um, and Hamas famously comes from the Muslim Brotherhood, mm-hmm. um, and of course, also Erdogan continues to make like these threats that the Turkish military. Is, is it could come in the night or something and and you know my my response to that is you know prove it yeah prove it like there's no sign whatsoever that the turkish government is anything but well what the arabs are saying what like uh, palestinians and lebanese i've seen saying are that like um well erdogan you don't even have to invade you could just shut off the oil pipeline that goes from Turkey right. to Israel, and you're not doing that. So, like, if you can't Won't even, do, even that, do that, can't even do that, and that would seriously, that would seriously hurt Israel, which of course would provoke a massive, some kind of response against Erdogan from the United States, probably some kind of massive, starting with an economic attack on Turkey, and then all like all kinds of information warfare and warfare, and maybe even some kind of physical assault if they were to do that. I don't know, or even a coup or something like that. You know, I don't know. Oh, one one but, thing that um, happened uh, yeah. about a week ago was they pulled all all of the um, all of the diplomats from Israel were recalled. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there is there there are some superficial yeah. reasons There's... to believe that Turkish Israeli ties are, are fraught, but again, everything Erdogan does, he's very Trumpy in this sense. Mm-hmm. He, he makes it look like he's asserting Turkish interests, but really he's just kind of pushing the envelope in the way Zog wants. So, for example, his interventions in Syria, yeah. uh, t- done in the name of defending the the Turkic groups there or whatever, um, that or anti-Kurdish activism, ultimately all that does is take up space that isn't Turkish. Like you're sending troops into Syrian territory without permission from right. Palestine. You mean that's not Syrian, right? It's just it's just right. Turks are just occupying a place that the Syrians right. should be occupying, right. and and you see them do shit like this yeah. all the time. Remember right. when they shot down that Russian jet? The the, oh. the nerve. How do you remember that vaguely? How long ago was that? Six or seven years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they just shot down a Russian jet. They, they were, the they, they were taking it because, dude. The other thing is, people forget. Like, you know, sometimes people attack Hamas because they're like, okay, like Hamas was on board with um, the anti-Assad coup, which unfortunately is was at least rhetorically true in 2013. But then, you know, they never really did anything. Well, so were the Turks. 
And the Turks actually did stuff. They actually were like part of that, like, let's get rid of Assad coalition, which is just like obviously in All the terrorists down. were entering Syria through Turkey. Right. That was the big um, gateway into Syria for terrorists, particularly from the West, that were wanting yeah, to effectively, join ISIS. Effectively ISIS or al-Nusra or whatever the hell they were calling them. So now they call them like Harir, something, something, something. I can't remember what that's called. Like HTS yeah. is the... Anyway, um, but that aside, I mean, we could talk about that kind of intrigue a lot. There's a lot of interesting things. There's also that Arab uh, and Muslim summit that they had the last couple of days. But, of course, a- any resolutions that they that they said they were going to come to, which would have uh, actually resulted in consequences for Israel, were blocked by the usual, by Saudi, by the UAE, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, it's just like, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. The problem that they're going to have is – the longer this stuff goes on, the harder these little teeny baby steps or phony things, the more they're going to be exposed. And I see, I see Arabs calling out this shit as fake all the time. So, like, they're not fooling. There's a lot of people that are not fooling, right? So, um, who knows what's going to happen? But this is uh, the, what we wanted to talk about was this leaked call of Jonathan leaked, Greenblatt. Leaked. Jonathan Greenblatt's leaked call about Zuber's and Israel leaked to the Tehran Times. First thing I'd say if I was Jonathan Greenblatt is how many people under 30 were on this call? Right. <laughs> there's your first there's your first uh those are your first suspects. How many because, broccoli-headed young people right. were on this call? Cuz he actually claims that like the uh that Zoomers are not even just for a two-state solution. He's claiming that they're using Iranian talking points. Right. He's so, making an inference that somehow Iranians are influencing American youth, which is kind of ridiculous. Right. It's actually just Israel it's being shitty, up. but like it's let's just made up. Here Go it ahead, is anyway. But I also want to point out that we have a major, major Okay, well let me bring this up on the screen. Put it up with the subtitles. So yeah. people can read the subtitles. Um let me see, maybe I'll get bring it up on YouTube actually, so it's a little bit bigger. Um Uh, let me start it over. Here we go. But I also want to point out that we have a major, major, major generational problem. All the polling I've seen, ADL's polling, ICC's polling, independent polling, suggests this is not a left-right gap, folks. The issue in the United States in support for Israel is not left and right. It is young and old. And the numbers of young people who think that Hamas's, you know, massacre was justified is shockingly and terrifyingly high. <laughs> and so we really have a TikTok problem, a Gen Z problem, that our community needs to put the same brains that gave us Tagli, the same brains that gave us all these other amazing innovations, need to put our energy toward this, like, fast. Because, again, like, we've been chasing this left-right divide. It's the wrong game. The real game is the next generation and the Hamas and their accomplices, the, idi- the useful idiots in the West, are falling in line in ways that are terrifying. Last thing I'll just say, we saw a dramatic change in the language of the activists here in America on October the 8th. The language of groups that we've long tracked have long been problematic, like Students for Justice in Palestine and Jewish Voices for Peace. They flipped like this and went to, like, Iranian propaganda. The language I could show you from their toolkits, because our analysts are in their groups. We saw this again on October the Mm. 8th. It was that fast. Like, the language in their toolkits was all about the Zionist entity and lots of other language that we recognized from Iranian propaganda. Okay. So, there's a lot there, and it's more than just him, like, malding over the uh, lack of Zoomer support. He also reveals how they operate. They're in their groups, he said. Yes. They've got spies in all these groups, obviously. They've always had them. Yeah, and and that shouldn't surprise anybody. And also, the other thing I want to just say very quickly is this really ought to put to bed 
any arguments that like talking about ideas, discussing ideas, trying to convince people of positions, and changing public opinion has no power. Because Jews are absolutely terrified of shifts in public opinion that go against them. And if they weren't, like, the level of money and effort and, 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 and resources they put into manipulating and controlling and directing public opinion is really the bulk of their efforts. Um, and the so power, The power of activism, I, I just want to stress this. The only right-wing activism other than us in this country is the pro-life movement. And look at how powerful they are. Yeah. I mean, fr- they're frankly losing the Republicans tons of elections despite historical unpopularity of Biden. And the reason they're losing them elections is that voters actually think that this is the one thing Republicans will do is completely ban abortion. And that's because the only part of the Republican Party that is active, that will stand on a street corner, that will yell in a, mic- in a, in a bullhorn, are the pro-life people. Every other part of the Republican Party is non is, is a non-actor. It's just empty words. And so in the case of the Israel movement, they don't really have young activists in the pro-Israel movement. No. They've tried for years to cultivate them. The only thing that they really have are like obnoxious Jews. Well, they have and the even, politicians. They they yes. buy off the. No, I'm saying in terms of younger the activists, they get right. they, people like Jacob Wool. Like that's what they've got. You know, pe- people like yes. that shitty. Like there's no you really like in terms of younger voices for Israel. They're all like obnoxious Jewish kids that people just don't like because just how they are, and they also just don't like the message and. Um, that's what they got. I mean, or, he actually or said like maybe young conservatives, but even then, a lot of the young conservatives are sh- getting pressured online. They shy away from it because they don't want to. They don't want to have struggle sessions with anti semites right. in their audience, and they don't want to be seen <laughs> as cringy. You know what I mean? So it's like it's difficult. Like this is the thing you got to remember. Like it, it feels like, um, and, and Israel is like all powerful because every politician, like you know, is completely subservient. And for right now, Israel can brazen through everything, uh, but they're worried about the future. They're worried, can we continue to do that? Like, they can do that because they control every politician. As long as America supports them, no one's going to stop them from bombing hospitals and, like, you know, slaughtering people en masse. No, people are afraid to, to confront the United States militarily or set off some kind of conflagration it seems or at least these some certain groups are more hesitant or at least trying to maybe finesse this in a way but we could discuss that later but um it's just that like without the the thorough backing of america and then the control that that exerts over europe um everybody including in america i've seen arabs themselves be sort of surprised by the public opinion they're seeing in America because they always assumed American public opinion would always be with Israel. And they have been sort of like, whoa, actually, that's wild. So I guess this really just is because the government and the politicians are just completely in the pocket of Jews. And, and right. that's, that can't that actually can't last. Um, you need some base of support. Well, the problem that the pro-Israel movement has primarily – is a lot of people will try to say it's demographics. The issue, though, is that the young white people are not interested in Israel either. Right. And the second problem, so the, the main issue here, is that there's no moral energy behind supporting Israel. Right. It's purely people with a profit motive. Yeah. Okay. And it's, so there's no actual slimy. moral moral. Um, Moral, morally sweeping narrative that will actually get someone to go out there and stand with an Israeli flag. No, only Second, unless they're Jewish. They have to be Jewish to feel the that, and then they have to be animated by what is effectively Jewish supremacy, right? Uh, which they might feel is a moral uh, thing, but very few other people are going to be convinced by that. You know, right. like I'm sure there are Jews that morally feel Jewish supremacy is how, right, but you know, look at how unmoved young people yeah. are when they rip down the the oh kidnap Jews the, the signs. 
they, they go there and they try to shame them. They're like, who the fuck are you? You kill right. babies. And, and that's an easy one. People wonder about that. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, the answer when Jews go up to people and they ask you, why are you doing that? Uh, sometimes people don't always have the answer, but they don't necessarily feel bad about what they're doing. Um, the answer is very easy. The answer is, well, this, these children aren't missing here. It's also this Zionist is war propaganda. propaganda. Like this is this is for you to try and instigate a feeling in right. people, like they need to go and and f- like attack Arabs or something like that. When you know this is not about those victims, because uh, what am I? Gonna do? I'm going to call the NYPD and be like, "Hey, I, I got a tip on those missing kids. I know where they are. <laughs> yeah. They're in Gaza City. Right. Like, it's what, pure, what are you going to say? It's, it's just yeah. Jewish propaganda. Yeah, yeah. And and then the second problem is that the country is politically polarized. And the Israel issue has, to the extent that it does have any support, it's all on the right now. So, And it problem, can only problem, be problem, sustained. The problem, Sorry. the problem with making your, your issue uh, a, a, a part of the polarized conservative right is that the conservative right doesn't have any good activists. So, you know, at the end of the day... The, conser- the, the number one animating feature of the American right is, I just want to grill for God's sakes. That's the animating feature. So the I just want to grill people might like Israel on some level, some sublimated racial sentiment, maybe some hijacked racial sentiment in right. support of Zionism. But the problem is the I just want to grill people – if they see that there's a mob of, of, of pro-Palestine guys and they're yelling and screaming and, and morally – full of moral zeal, the I just want to grill people will just go back to grilling. Just, they're not uh, going to yeah. stand They're not going to go and, and – They're not going to They're not going to get involved in anything like so that. So yeah. polarizing Israel you – know, I saw a very interesting survey that showed only 50 percent of Republicans su- were, were supported Israel more than the Palestinians in the early 90s. Very interesting um, um, survey that was taken back then. Support for Israel for many decades was more on the Democrat side uh, than Republicans. Republicans were always more non-interventionist, although Ronald Reagan really changed that. Yeah, well, Um, also, though, but but the – you know, a lot of this stuff was forgotten uh, after 9-11, you know, or, or yes. sublimated after 9-11, where that, that's when really the right started to become crazy pro-Israel, like a way that you, you assume it is now. But you're right. It wasn't always it wasn't always so. And really, this wasn't even a big issue in the 90s. And there was the memory of the Marine barrack bombing in, in uh, Beirut, right. where like 240 or something like that, like 200 some odd of Marines were killed from a truck bomb. From a Lebanese, and people were like pissed at Reagan, like you know, your interventionism in a civil war that doesn't involve us has now created this issue where we have to bury two hundred of our guys, like for what? And right. it actually, you know, people think sometimes you know devastating attacks like that will will rally people behind leaders. Not always true. Look what happened to Netanyahu. That Reagan was popular. That was a blow, temporary albeit, because it was, once it was over with, then people went back to politics as usual after a few months or whatever. But that was a blow to Reagan's popularity. And he pulled out of Lebanon, which ultimately helped solve the Lebanese Civil War. You know, but it also then meant that, hey, Hezbollah forms itself as a, as a competent militia and kicks Israel the hell out of Lebanon. So, right. So, yeah. But, but, but um, yeah, the... Um this is there's it's a multifaceted problem. Another problem too is support for Israel is increasingly uh, associated with Donald Trump. Yeah, um, which the Jews themselves made into a pariah and a villain to be pro-Trump. Yeah. But then that's where the Israel he's taking Israel down with him. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's difficult even to maintain. And this is something you know we showed the video. Month or so ago, of Michael Rappaport, who was raging at like Trump supporters, because they kept framing Israel's support as some kind of anti-Biden thing. And now, like I saw this article today where they were, um, despite Biden being completely on the in the tank for Israel, like they're not challenging anything. Like they they are letting they basically said Israel gets to do it at once, no ceasefire, no red lines, whatever. That any any bullshit claims they make. 
They're like, yeah, we've got intelligence that says all the hospitals are secret command bunkers too. And uh, and and um, yet the New York Post is framing Biden needs to shut his mouth and support Israel more because that's how that even that support from like the dummy right can only be maintained by like framing it as Biden is a secret Hamas supporter, right? Like they they have to like actually tell people retarded shit like that and then it just looks like are you serious like it's just there's i don't yeah and and really you know um, biden is is objectively worse in his support of israel than even george w bush on yeah. some on some right. level um well it just it just escalates every year it doesn't there's no there's no reverse gear for this right so every year it's more you know yeah it's just more required and and the the funny thing is, is that the um, Biden is as much in the tank for effectively for Bibi as Trump was. That is very awkward. And it's like, how do you? And this this is what I said actually. The speech that I gave on Friday at our NJP meeting, I made this point that like, how can anybody take as little as it was taken seriously after this? It's how can anybody ever take American liberalism or the pretense of it seriously? When you have the humanitarian, liberal, egalitarian, universalist, racial equality, equality for women and trannies and gays and all these marginalized groups that, that comes out of the mouth of this administration after the Donald Trump thing, right? Like hate has no home and all this stuff, right? Like we're going to unity back is all these groups together liking each other again after Trump divided us and all that shit. How can you take that messaging and then just be like, Oh yeah, like Israel gets to just commit genocide. Like nah. just just to be totally supportive of it. It completely exposes the farce of of this crap. And it's just like it's like right. people are like, get the see, hell out of here, bro. We're, we're, yeah. we're starting to see some polling with young people. Yeah. Um Biden is in trouble. In yeah. fact, Biden is in trouble is the title of an opinion column. Uh, in the New York Times, right. they don't um, totally want to admit that it, this is what it is, but I think they're starting to become more honest with themselves that this is a, ma- this well, is a major problem. The thing is, Biden may serve the Zionist entity loyally, but that doesn't mean that they find him to be pragmatically useful. They may just as well switch to Trump. I've already seen tons Randy of- Feinded. Right. Well, I've seen tons of stories where a lot of these big donors, these big Jewish donors that mm-hmm. were holding, withholding their money from Trump are now going all in. People yeah. like Bernie Marcus, yeah. um, they're going all in on Trump again. He's got the money. And by the way, I, I've seen a lot of copers out there saying, you know, Trump put it out there. He put out a teaser that he might choose Tucker Carlson uh, as his vice president. I'll tell you right now. There's a better chance that he'll choose Caitlyn Jenner than Tucker Carlson because his donors will not allow that. Probably choose Tucker, Tim Scott. He'll probably he's going to go. I would guess if I had a guess from the available options in the primary, it would be Nikki Haley or Tim Scott. Um, I, I don't see a ticket for Republicans or Democrats for a national election yeah. that is two white people. Yeah, I no, I, I think it's got to be just just throwing out there by personality politics. It's got to be Tim Scott because Tim Scott doesn't have a history of being anti-Trump the way Nikki Haley does, although she was his ambassador to the UN, I think. But also she's not at all popular with the, the Trump-supporting crowd. They don't like her. Um, and Tim Scott is black, so they're going to love – the MAGA people right. are going to love him because they love black people. MAGA absolutely loves blacks, and particularly blacks – what do you say? Blacks on blondes? <laughs> oh, they <laughs> now, love that. Now he's got now a blonde, that, blonde that, beard. Now that the evangelicals have finally seen his blonde girlfriend. Well, blonde, beard I would say, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy is – I don't know what's going on there. I'm not going to speculate. It's very – off-putting let's just leave it at that you know yeah. but other than that yeah right what what is the story though is the desantis non-star he's just gone man i i mean what a disaster that campaign you're, you're gonna try to fight donald trump from the right on israel you're gonna try to out israel donald trump 
that seems to be what DeSantis. Well, there's is. no real way to do that. I mean, the, first of all, that <laughs> you GOP, can't even do that to Biden. Well, they can't even. He can't do it. Frankly, he can't do it to Nikki Haley or Tim Scott either. Like he can't do it to Chris Christie. Like because if you saw that debate, we played the supercut from that debate on Tedious the other day. That it was just like, oh my god, it's never ending. Like the just, it was endless, just ass kissing of Israel. Like that was the and everybody, even everyone was commenting on it. People were like, yo, what the hell is this? Like where's America here? You know, uh, so it's 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 actually this though also carries risks because it makes our point very easy. These people yes. say they're America first. What are they doing? These are the same people. Every Republican slightly has tried to horn in on that America first branding, and it's right. simply not going to fly. The literally it's America true, first, including for Trump, is conceived as a frankly anti-Jewish thing. Like I mean, we we understand the origins of the well, America it's first. Anti, it's anti-war. It's yes. anti-immigration, and it's anti-global trade, aka anti-Jew. And when it first started, you know, with Charles Lindbergh, it was fairly clear that it was specifically anti-Jewish. <laughs> but yes, well, it wasn't. An, it wasn't even a primarily anti-Semitic thing. It was just we don't want to fight a war for Jews. Uh, and I so mean, any yeah. and so any Amer- well f- fair enough but you know this is coming <laughs> off of the lessons of World War One right right yeah and so now that the the America First movement of the 21st century if you're going to be faithful to the original source material you're going to have to oppose intervention I mean it really upends everything because mm-hmm. the Republicans have tried not Nikki Haley or Tim Scott but definitely Trump. And the ecosystem of influencers around Trump have tried desperately to posit themselves as the non-interventionist candidate. These people have created a whole parallel universe where Trump and his presidency were the most peaceful time in American history. When in reality, we know the weapons transfers to Ukraine started under Trump. We know that the killing of General Soleimani was the first domino in this conflict in Israel right now. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, we know that um, we, we know that him pulling out, actually, him leaving the Iran nuclear deal mm-hmm. was the real first domino, and then Soleimani was just the cherry on top. So you know th- this is all uh, a, a, a myth. Okay. Like I like I was saying on my Telegram, the uh, the 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 boomer cons that want to nuke the Palestinians that love Trump are actually more in line with how Trump thinks than some of these characters with blue check marks on Twitter that are really popular that are criticizing Israel, which I support, but at the same time love Donald Trump. Those people make no fucking sense. Okay, Donald Trump himself says that Israel comes first. So if you're an anti-Zionist for Trump, you got a major mental disorder going on. You got some cognitive dissonance going on. And don't even get me started on MAGA communism. Okay, MAGA. That's just not even worth. This is MAGA anti-Zionist communism. Don't even get me started with that. The point is, though, is that. The, the tr- Trump Trumpism, the Trump movement, as much as, as I think Joe Biden is suffering, <clears throat> I'm not convinced yet that Trump can win. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say well, it's an automatic that he can something. win a national election. It's not because of election fraud. It's that people understand what Trump is about now. They like how he shakes things up. And so on. But the problem is Trump's 2016 campaign is it was based off of a different uh, a different uh, it was hitting a different bone. It was hitting a different uh, tune in that Trump was able to win the Rust Belt. I mean, that's never going to happen again for Republicans. and, And too much of the MAGA sphere generally adjusted itself back to. Like Regular. libertarianism and things like that, right? And so, and libertarianism the, and neoconservatism, right? Yeah. And the other thing I'd say is this: here's one of the issues I think everybody's been having recently, and it's kind of an interesting issue to have, which is that like 
the Jews are on several fronts really in the pickle. They're in a pickle on the political front in the United States in terms of how they're going to manage the political situation in the United States. They're in a, frankly, a strategic and if not an immediately tactical military pickle. Like they're definitely taking losses in Gaza, but they could tactically beat Hamas. Uh, you know, obviously, in order to do that, they have to do a lot of. They had to level they a whole. They have to risks. level a whole city and they kill. Also have to take risks. They have to take risks. They have to lose guys, and they have to level a whole city and be seen to be leveling an entire Arab historical Arab Islamic city that has been such for fifteen hundred years and has always been populated by Arab Muslims, and that they have to level it and then like take. It's like, it's like that's not something that that is that they really ultimately I think the Islamic world can accept watching them do, like letting them a city of a million plus people that has been a historic. First of all, a historic city in that place for thousands of years, but an Islamic city for 1,500 years to let Jews just completely wipe it out and completely remove the population from it. Uh, I don't know that that's something that that they can sit back and do, but who knows? But the thing is, the risk of that is extremely big. And they also, though, they can't risk not doing it. And it's like they also in, – in the, there's several bad options on all fronts, whether military, strategic, political, or whatever. And as a result of this, it's difficult for us to necessarily predict how things will go. I can't predict anything. And they could just swamp the field with third-party candidates, and you could have a Ross Perot situation again. Well, people um, – there's already – People diving in as that, like yeah, third party RFK candidates are starting to, to throw. Well, Jill Stein, I heard, is going to throw her hat in the ring and things like this. So, right. So, but that's kind of. But the point is that Jews are up against the wall with many bad options that we can't necessarily know which way they'll choose or if that will work, uh, and and how that will work out. But there's also no, there's no countervailing force that can step in and and control events. Right at that level, so it's just a very unpredictable situation, and uh, all we can do is sort of analyze <laughs> the different bad options that Jews have and tell our people, "Look, these people can lose and be they beaten. They are lose. they are look at the shit show they've gotten themselves into, where they are basically at a place where in order for Israel to survive, they." basically have to commit a genocide and if they don't do that that's going to be seen as a loss for them and that and then doing that then risks a wider war which they might not win so we just really don't know the main thing i'm the main thing i'm concerned about is that the israelis see u.s military forces in the region and so they might actually drag us into a war to settle these scores. That's a increasingly – increasing, people have been talking about that. I was yes, so, hypothesizing that myself because I know America actually does not – I will say this. I will say this confidently. Yeah. And I know that this is going to be controversial, particularly in circles where they are used to the idea of America always being the instigator. Like leftist right. anti-war circles might not get this. Not that like – you know, we talk about like, oh, it's not as if like America is like restraining Israel. America is just like – a bit, a bit of like represented or controlled by a group of people who are a little bit more far-sighted than people like Benjamin Netanyahu. If that's and, and in that sense, maybe they try and keep Israel from going full retard. But in the end, Joe Biden can't tell the Israeli government. Shit. I showed you in the last yeah. article I wrote. Joe Biden admitted it. He said, "I yeah. can't tell them to do anything." And now, now if we were if, right, and so it ha- it's up to like uh, Yoav Gallant and Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid to try and, and restrain Netanyahu. You know that that's kind of I think where Blinken is is who's really, right. who's really our president regarding foreign affairs. Um, I think that's kind of where they're leaving. It's like you guys are going to have to control them, and they're trying. But the other thing is, what's funny is if we're to believe what we hear, the chatter out of Israel is that in fact. They're the ones that want to start a war with Lebanon right now. And and yes. BB is like, let's finish Gaza first. Um, right. So you so can't really trust are, any of these fucking these people. Are like, it's like Russian dolls of craziness. Where, right, right. Uh, we have the fear that the U.S. government can't control BB, and then BB can't control the psychos and Kahanas in his cabinet. But it's not so even them. Is, it's like the Liptards. Like it's it's like now it's like Ben Gavir is like tilting towards 
like Benny Gantz because he's the one who's yeah. like we should take on Hezbollah because because they're sensitive to the fact also that the Jews are like hey you know uh, we don't want to go and live in northern Israel if if uh, Hezbollah is still going to be up there like we don't we don't feel safe here and so and frankly the whole state after after October seventh if if at the end of this war say they they succeed whatever their war aims are which aren't clear in Gaza they succeed. They kill all of Hamas, they institute some kind of brutal occupation in Gaza, and the world doesn't declare war on them. Well, Hezbollah is still just going to be sitting there, and, and all the Jews are going to be like, another. this could happen again at any moment. Like, these guys could bust through and do exactly what Hamas did, except ten times worse. Um, and so, yeah, for them, they're like, well, our little state will be destroyed if these all these threats on our on our periphery are not taken care of. If we don't, for once close our borders completely without these like you know pieces of other people's territories butting into our territory like just make the piece make the that triangle shaped piece of land all theirs and you know what i mean like that's what they're probably wanting to do like just clean the field get rid of hezbollah get rid of the the palestinian authority get rid of the gazans just just clean wipe the slate clean and start picking up the pieces in a couple years their calculation is not exactly wrong like we were saying no they're not they have they have nothing but bad options, but the least bad option would be to use the United States mm-hmm. as a as a as a weapon, as a kamikaze weapon mm-hmm. to fight Hezbollah. That is actually really what I think their calculation is. Is like you know while America is here, while they've moved all their stuff to the, the to the Mediterranean, let's use it. That's their their calculation. Mm-hmm. Um, Last and, thing they want is for, fear, the, for there to be a calm down in those boats to turn around. Although I don't think those right. those aircraft carriers are leaving no, anytime soon. They're no staying. matter no matter what happens, those aircraft carriers will be there for decades, depending. But yeah, the thing is now there's rumors going around that Hezbollah has the ability to sink the aircraft carriers with with Russian. Well, they have the ability to hit them. That's for sure. Right. And they don't have to sink so, them. All you have to do is hit, and then it's useless. If you hit, right. if you hit the deck of an aircraft carrier, so the, you can't the fulfill Israelis, its purpose anymore. The Israelis may be thinking, you know, if we drag America into this, let's say they get they 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 get some casualties on the American side, the American people will rally behind the military, will rally behind the government, highly and then unlikely. we can have. I agree, it's highly unlikely, but they don't have any good options here. Um, Mm-hmm. They're pretty fucked. They're pretty. They're strategically. They're in a strategic bind here. And um, even if they do the worst and just like nuke somebody at that point, then all right, well, people are just going to zerg rush your country and just start ripping Jews apart. People will just start murdering Jews wherever they exist in the world. Like somebody. Well, also, like, like seriously, nuking, that that is where it will go to. Nuking. So you know, Israel is, I believe, what the size of New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. If you if you drop a nuclear bomb in that country in that small country, you don't think there's going to be blowback? Like they're going to pollute the soil. They're going to well, there's that, but like I'm saying, like I'm saying, like blow back on. But I'm saying, like nuking Iran or something like that. Well, right. My point is that like it's not even so much. My understanding is that the Iranians have developed their nuclear uh, abilities to the point where they can just be. One or two months away. From well, the bomb. at this point, that's I'm sure. The, I'm the sure the Iranian nuclear program is on hyperdrive right now. Um, and who knows? Maybe they've worked something out with somebody to get one. And frankly, if I were Russia or China, it might not be the worst idea to actually do something like that. But um, I can also understand why you wouldn't want to proliferate nuclear weapons if you're Russia. That might not be something. You'd want to do or something that given the russian temperament hey, they about did it with thing, north korea they did it with north true. korea during so, the Cold War. yeah in any case so. the point being that um my point is not so much the environmental effects of a nuke going off because they might they might decide to nuke iran my point is the what would the world's reaction be to jews nuking another population of people and i think it would be that people would just start killing jews in every country in the world wherever they see them and uh, I, 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 I would like to. I mean, not. I think it would start, not necessarily in America, but, but I think uh, you know. I think it would start happening. That's not. No, I think. I think actually, you might be surprised at how it'll just be more complaints at the UN 
if that were maybe with Iran, it'll be an, uh, an international conflict. But in any case, uh, talks of nuking Iran are, are just like just absurd because the Iranians have even with their conventional weapons mm-hmm. the ability to obliterate Israel. Right. Uh, so they would have they at that point it would just be all in. Yeah. Okay. And and so they don't want that either. What they want is for America to clean clean out all these pro-Iran groups in Syria, mm-hmm. Iraq, and, of course, Hezbollah. That's what I think their main priority here is. They've given up on collapsing the Iranian government. They've given up on any of this. So. Well, particularly now, they're, not, they're just not going to be able to do it now. Like this yeah. – what's going on now is cementing – the Iranian government's power, like the, the, there's no hope for any dissident groups in Iran right now. What are they gonna, you know, like the, 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 everybody will be like, "Are you fucking serious?" Like, you know, it's just not, it's it can't be done right now. Right, like all so, windows of all avenues, all windows have been closed on these avenues. Yeah, so ultimately, there's you know, there's nothing really they can do. I think that the one thing I will say is they they've given up on winning public opinion. Yes, they don't give a um, shit about it. The propaganda that the Israelis put out. I mean, we saw today uh, uh, a woman dressed like a hijabi was telling people she was playing a fake doctor, telling people not to go to the Al Shifa hospital. And some sleuths found out that she's an Israeli actress. Yeah, that was a, that was uh, actually I saw that a couple of days ago. But um, yeah. the other thing is, did you see the Israeli soldier like showing the uh, Hamas base? At the in the basement of the other hospital, where he's yeah. like, "Look, it's an it's like he showed like an electrical box and like an right. elevator shaft, and then he showed like a calendar, and then he showed like a baby bottle, and it's like, well, it's a children's hospital. Yeah, they're not you know, even trying. Like, they're not even trying to persuade anyone. And they put like some machine guns and grenades in a room. Yeah. They're like, these were here. It's like, I mean, like, really? Is there any reason why I shouldn't assume you just put those there? Like, seriously? Like, <laughs> oh, call me paranoid or not, but I'm sorry, Jews, you don't have a good track record. You're not trustworthy. That's not an independent journalistic verified source. It's not the UN. It's not some newspaper. It's not a third party. I just don't believe it. It's a literal dude in a Jewish army uniform saying, we found guns and grenades here. And it's like, well... I just, I, I'm sorry. Like, it's not credible. You are not a credible source on these things. And we can expect that they'll show a similar thing when they take over this other hospital, which they have been insisting is a major command hub that has a, a, a that has a, a base like Donald Rumsfeld said was under Tora Bora in Afghanistan <laughs> and turned out to be a complete myth. That shit never existed. It was always fake. And they're saying the same kind of thing. And we're going to get the same kind of thing we got in the other hospital. In this one, the same kind of propaganda. And no one's going to take it seriously. You don't even really see American, like, liberal Jewish media promoting this stuff because it's so obviously brain dead that it's just, like, it's embarrassing. Now, you do have John Kirby going out and saying today, well, uh, we actually have intelligence that backs up the Israelis' claim that there is a command hub there. But he's not showing the pictures or anything like that because it's it's nonsense. Like they they're just gonna go in there and and show like a grenade or something and be like, see, we told you. And you know, I don't even know who. I can't even tell anymore. If people believe it or if they're just paid to say they do or if it's just bots or I can't tell. But um, uh, it does seem that increasingly the sentiment out of Israel, and I've been reading op eds in their papers and 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 things like that, that it is just like we. The world hates us. Uh, we have America willing to back us completely, like, and we're just going to have to rely on that. Yeah. And it just yeah. doesn't matter even what the American people think. The government will do what we want, and we'll just have to figure all this out later. Yeah. This conflict um, appears to be relatively stagnant. So, um, you know, you might not have a solution to this for another year, for all we know. Yes. I don't, I don't think that uh, – that they they the the best hope they have, as we said before, is that they get America involved. Well, I also want to say this: um, it's important to analyze what they're doing, and the fact that they immediately target hospitals. Like all their first targets as they go into the Gaza Strip are hospitals. 
Um, and they're starting, and they've, they've already shut down most of them, and they have absolutely no mercy and are completely relentless in shutting these things down and telling everyone to leave. And, you know, there's today a story that 180 people are dead in this hospital and they've had to bury them in a mass oh, grave yeah. out back or something like that. And that's, this is all real. This is not fake. The babies in incubators story is now real, except it's the Jews that are doing it. Right. The Jews are killing babies in incubators. And they're oh, yeah. doing this. They're doing this. Because I think ultimately they still are trying to implement a population transfer plan. And they are trying to make Gaza completely inhospitable, inhospitable for life, for the Arabs, for the Gazans. They do not – they're like, you don't have hospitals. You don't have water. You don't have food. You don't have fuel. You don't have anything you need for life. So you should go elsewhere. And at the same time, we get this Washington Post op-ed from left and right ministers in Israel saying Europe should put its money where its mouth is with its humanitarian thing and take these people in. And now that's ignited a conversation and, and other we people should are read chiming that. in. Unfortunately, I don't have a... I can find it. Do you have a pay... Because the, the archive.is didn't break the paywall on that one. So oh, no? Yeah, it sucks. Oh, But God. I do have a summary of it from Times of Israel, if you'll give me one second. It was on my Telegram. Um and some some uh, quotes from it. Like, but, I, yeah. I really want to. Uh, I, I really want. So th- there's a couple. Like the Wall Street Journal has published shit like this before. By the way, last month they published. Uh, l- listen to this. Hamas's enablers should take Gaza refugees. Uh, this yeah. is more uh, about Iran and Qatar. Yes. But, well, this it seems like they're they they're just they're just shopping around. Right. <laughs> you know, because it starts it – start, and it's funny when you see people who are – if you see anyone who's out there like consistently making this point that like why don't the You're Arab right. countries take them? Because that's something that they have been saying as long as I've been an activist in this space, right? Like going back 20 plus years, I've heard the Jews and the Israelis complain about this. Like, oh, these Arabs are always – pointing the finger at us but they won't help these people you know like this one of these you know no use that the jews always do you know they're no use style of argumentation they've been pulling that one forever so when i see people pull that out and they seem actually mad about it i'm like what are you so who, this, who are you doing here this but, article yeah. this article was written by danny dannon who's a, mm-hmm. a top a top uh he used to be i believe a diplomat to the united states if i'm not mistaken oh to the United Nations. I don't um, think any relationship to Dan and yogurt. No. But uh, maybe. Uh, and uh, and uh, he was, he's also a top Likud guy. Right, right. right. So this is the guy on the Zionist right. Right. Well, here's the guy. Then you have the co-author, Ram Ben Barak, right. who is a Zionist left right. uh, member of parliament. He used so. to be in the, Mos- in the Mossad, I believe. He used to run the Mossad. Right. So they're going out there. This is, by the way, Wall Street Journal, the conservative paper. This is like the highbrow conservative media. And it's basically saying, uh, hey, you stupid goyim, take these Palestinians. Yeah, they're basically trolling, too, because they're like, you know, Europe always talks about human rights, and they're criticizing Israel for being, like, really they're, mean. They're not. But they're, but they're not they're, taking they're not them in. And then they even reference the fact, hey, look. We sent a million Syrians to Europe. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why can't we do it again? And um, so this is a Times of Israel sort of summing up. Because, unfortunately, I would love to have the Wall Street Journal piece. But, you know, and, and they're saying, like, they've got this deal. It's like a dollar a week for the Wall nah, Street Journal. And I would pay a dollar. Still not worth Well, I'll pay a dollar, but I'm not going to pay $52 because that's what they, they want you to pay for a year up front. And I'm like, I can't believe there's nowhere that's cracked it yet or that hasn't appeared someplace you know, that's not behind a paywall yet. But whatever. It doesn't matter. Here's the Times of Israel. It says, um, two Israeli lawmakers, one from the ruling Likud and the other from opposition Yesh Atid party, have urged the international community to take in Palestinian refugees from the Gaza Strip. In a rare display of cross-party solidarity, <laughs> Danny Dannon and Ram Ben Barak published an op-ed piece for the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday calling... For countries around the world to accept, oh, they say, limited numbers of Gazan families who have expressed a desire to relocate. Now, that means that by limited numbers, is limited numbers per country, but still a lot of countries, 
right? However, the call was likely to spark international criticism amid repeated allegations from Palestinians and Arab countries that Israel was ultimately looking to expel Palestinians from Gaza. Egypt and Jordan have said they will not accept any situation that sees Palestinians uprooted from their homes. This is another actually bad faith um, attack on, and as, as much as I don't want to stick up for Jordan or Egypt because they are pawns here, they're not lying when they say that, even yeah. if only for cynical reasons. And so this is something that um, isn't mentioned when this complaint is made to Western audiences. It's like you understand that Jordan and Egypt cannot be seen. In fact, Egypt has put it even more starkly that they don't want to be seen as having liquidated the Palestinian cause or participated in its liquidation because that would right. be incredibly destabilizing for them. Yes. For their people to think that they did that. They're as, already hanging on by a thread. Yeah. You know, these countries, not Jordan, but Egypt has regime changes every fucking 10 right. years. Right. So, like, right. They, they need to keep people calm. <clears throat> and if they bring all the Palestinians there, that's just going to bring a revolutionary population. Right. You have two million, like, revolutionaries in, right. that are going to not stop attacking Israel either. Right. <laughs> They're going to keep taking pot shots just at think Israel. About, <laughs> think about, like, the, the, the problem of Palestinians in Egypt. They, they have a f more freedom to operate. Oh, yeah. And they can still get into Israel. Right. They just build tunnels. They and the Jews would hold the, the Egyptian government completely responsibility for everything that happened. Right. And, and this is the other thing, because remember, the Jewish strategy here is literally like, hey, if attacks on Israel come from your territory, we're not going to differentiate between anybody on the other side of that border. That's that's legitimately their military strategy. Because yes. they, they do not have the ability or the will to go in and fight. So they simply say, we're going to bomb and kill people in your country until you've had enough. And that'll do it for hour number one. If you want to hear the rest of the conversation, please go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall. Get a subscription. You can use check, money, order, Bitcoin, or for a limited time, you can use Odyssey, probably for only for the next day, to pay for a subscription. So go ahead and do that. Listen to the rest of the show. Support us uh, because you're not going to get these kinds of views, news, and analysis anywhere else. Thank you very much.